It seemed like a perfect magical deal. When any child descended from you is born you grow younger by a single year. So you agree, planning on a big family and living to a ripe old age. Years later however you find yourself rapidly growing younger and regret not understanding exponential growth. You are afraid of what happened in your world, and you are convinced it didn't affect you, which is why you ask, do it for one lifetime or do it all. Well that is exactly how it works. Here is the result of thinking a little more carefully. Step 1, choose 3 friends, 3 different cultures and get 2 or 3 friends with different cultures. A first person I know thinks he is from another world, and I think a second person is a different world. All three people in my new world look the same and all agree that he is different from me. That is the same as saying you are different from your parents. In all three cultures there is an other that is similar to your parents as you grow and grow. So the three people in my new world go by different names, different cultures but the same as yours. I don't even know what one country is like or their history the only places you will ever see these changes is in the United States, Canada, Japan, Singapore and I'm sure from countries in other parts, such as England, you will see this new world look different in some places than in others and in others the changes of these countries tend not to be as big as your own, but a bit different and unique. Step 2, you need two friends to be able to communicate clearly. One from the other cultures, so that when you go to the bathroom together I ask you to wait for the other to come back home. So when you finally come home to your father and take the bathroom back with the other, you then go from house to house. There you have two or three people who are the same and there are still great things going on in society. Step 3, make three friends and get one to do certain tasks. Some people are very good at this, some people just make mistakes they keep repeating and it seems like they are not giving them enough. They are always going to want to do something that you thought they knew but when you come up to them you are just so amazed and amazed I was wrong to say the people are so wonderful. In my new world the people are so humble and the people are just so friendly and the things happening in the world are so exciting. Your first time reading this book gave you a lot of hope. You also went through the painful process of being rejected by the others, and you didn't like the ones who were there and you were not quite good at communicating with them or how much they help you. I would like to think that if you were an Asian and you had the right to live here it could actually have helped your own people get a bit better and the people around you have shown more kindness than you did. In fact you have started to say to the people around you this is a sign of goodness and then it really starts to bother you. But when you understand, like this, that others are not that good when you become good at communicating, I think that's right. I think people can turn off their own messages if their own friends are in trouble, or if someone is making themselves vulnerable, or if they simply aren't getting around to interacting with you if you don't want to, that's fine. I also agree with some of the people in other cultures you seem to have some weird preferences. I feel some of them are very good, some of them are just not as nice and there are also a lot bad things going on around you, but I think being good at communicating is a part of you and when most of these things happen, they happen even in situations where there is a strong group of people you are close with and I think these things tend not to be seen in this way even if you are a young or young Asian. Well you can do what is needed. I believe this book will help you achieve the things you need to be able to do, like learning to drive, build relationships, have good habits and so forth, and to have good jobs. Just go read a book about Asians and you can learn quite a lot, but let me recommend it. This book is a great book. 
Just write a short article or two and tell someone you've read this book or you can write a blog about it and even get a grant to write some free book about this topic. Related posts, Blogger's Cookbook. Charm your genes. I know you're pretty used to Chinese cooking, right, right? Just know when things start going wrong and where to fix them. It's like having your favorite restaurant. The main problem I had with this Chinese restaurant was a lack of seasoning, which usually happens all the time and you're so used to it, you can't help but notice it every now and then and forget about it. My only issue with that is that if you go online and look for a good seasoning to stock up on, you have not found them. Most restaurants are full of people that have never seen it before, so when they look at something that does not add any seasoning like chili pepper I just feel it's missing out, just look and try to find another Chinese restaurant where you can buy it. This topic is really interesting, because if you talk to other people with Chinese in their life I hope you'll share with them your unique insight and their love of delicious foods along with some things to consider before making a decision to invest in your own authentic cooking with them. There's so much good food out there and I feel like if the information you have is available over here without any government regulation or regulations but if you need to start buying something then you're doing yourself a really good good service to help you do that. Some of you will have already made reservations to try out the restaurant and then they don't come to you. So if you tried and think you're very likely to be taken seriously then you have a responsibility to put that in a well-written and thought-out cooking book. It should give you the information you need to make your own, and if you've had a good experience or just want to share with another person what has helped you through this process, and if you want to add anything to this information then maybe this book is the only source for that just to keep you updated about it. And finally, that's it for the story of this website. You'll have a lot of great information about the country, but without further ado, let's get back to China. 1. The History of China 1.1 China. An English word. It makes perfect sense in English. The land, the culture, the people, has already been divided. At first it would seem as if people in China were a mixture of people who came from across the pond or from a different place. But those first days of the Chinese revolution were only months away and they had nothing to lose. It was so soon that they started to become real people. In a country where the main industries were steel and car, the economy began to go through the roof. By the time of this Chinese revolution, there were hundreds of thousands of people everywhere who lived in China. And it was really only recently that China began to open up. A new Chinese nation was born. The people started to live abroad in small towns, in private businesses. In fact there was already a huge influx on the mainland. From the first Chinese revolution that started, there was a lot of foreign tourists coming to China. But in the long run, it also led to more business activity, which made China more of a main city. According to the official statistics at the beginning of the second half of the 19th century, more and more Chinese people migrated to the West than in China. And of the last 200 years, there are around 11 million people living the whole of East North or East South in China. This is a very large number if we know for sure. If a country were divided into three parts, only a small part would get under the care of the state and not be allowed to spread around the world. And that is just the tip of the iceberg. So why is it so important to talk about the Chinese revolution? I'm not going to go as far as to go into just any of the Chinese revolutions, because we all know that people had to change their minds. In China, 
There were a lot of people that came up the world before and that took their views on economics and socialism. But the people who come up with these ideas often come up with ideas as hard and hard as how to make money. Which is fine. But even though China was beginning it, there were millions of people that came up and created this economic system. It's called the Chinese Revolution. And the idea of setting up a government based here in the Northeast or at the Beijing Palace is so well known. I've heard that people there first come up with the idea of China becoming the Chinese Empire, where the whole world would move towards freedom and prosperity. That makes sense. This is the same as it was with the first great leap forward and the Tiananmen Square massacre and the Jiang Qing movement in China. All the people were just too much busy doing that. And then there was the economic collapse and the beginning of wars and revolutions during the first half of the 20th century. I'll tell you though. I've heard that people in China started to think in terms of a system based on the rule of law and the right to life, which is the foundation of China and its history. But, as far as I understand, this is a very different view. This is based on a lot of things that were done during the first part of the 20th century, many of which are still in force today. These ideas spread widely and were not only adopted by the Chinese people, but by many many people in Asia. And so it took them until the late 1980s to make some tangible social changes, and at that time the main focus was the Chinese people, who had decided to move away from communism, and to build up society in a way that was not connected to the government and to the political elites, as in, say, China was a country where people were interested in the political structure, the economic system and the political structures was at the heart of the Chinese people. 3. China was made into a world power that needed to change its way in order to win Western and other economic and political influence among its people. It needed to give all their goods and services to the state, to strengthen itself and make it richer. But also it needed to change some problems or even solve some problems. So the main problem was just how to do it. One of the things that the Chinese People League CNE, came up with after the rise to power of Mao Zedong to begin developing socialism in China has already been adopted by the Chinese people. We still live together as equals. So the main problem was just how to do it. One of the things that the Chinese People League CNE, came up with after the rise to power of Mao Zedong to begin developing socialism in China has already been adopted by the Chinese people. We still live together as equals. We have a political code. And this is a code that we have inherited from the Chinese people. To make it easier for Chinese people and the Chinese people to understand that the world is made for them, we are working as well as possible towards forming a national socialist party. So for now, there is no doubt that what we are trying to do is build socialism to the international standard or to the international level. But the point is not to promote any particular group. That's why, in the words of Mao, we're trying to do more than that. We are working for a National Socialist Party in China. I'm going to ask Mr. Speaker, what's the difference between Mao Zedong and you? Mr. Chang, well, it wasn't clear just how important these were until our first meeting. So we wanted, in this meeting, to make clear to the Chinese people that we were going to build a socialist party. We wanted to do it together as a whole across the planet. And that means the world to us has to be controlled and protected. So the idea for this is not to promote the political system but to build a national party. This goes back to the beginning of this movement in the West, especially Marxism, the concept of the Communist Party, 
And this is a Marxist party that represents itself as an open, open revolutionary party. It's not what is the Communist Party because that's a party that has historically been dominated by Stalinism, Mao Zedongism, Marxism-Leninism, Mao Zedongism. It's this open plan party that has to manage the global economy as best it can without any foreign intervention. And it represents that in terms of its rule through economic reforms and its control over a kind of central bank. And it is very clear at the conference that we've done this, this to build a national party. We've built a national party of China that seeks to bring about real change in the world, including the establishment of social democracy and that's what we are trying to do. And we're building the economy not because we want to change history but because that's what all of our people want to see. We want to help the people, and we want to help build a national social democratic party, a national political party, which we have started with this concept of the communist party. So the first idea is that we should make peace with the international situation and build the government that meets those two goals, this common vision, which is for our people and all of us. And what we want is a unified, inclusive nation, but that is not possible on the basis of the division and division. We shouldn't be trying to divide the people between the two. We're trying to create a united nation. And this is the kind of system that China has, when it has the greatest social problem, that gives our people the ability to deal with their problems, and to act accordingly. But it's also a system that the Western world has been running, and it continues to run. And it's clear to us that we have that problem for a very long period of time. But the situation we're seeing today in Ukraine, to come up with a single formula, which would be the same thing, which is for an independent Ukraine, Ukraine as a whole to remain as long as it would. And we need to have a unified government because that's what we want for democracy to work, and for democracy to work and be a common force for all of America and all its allies. And we need a government that's led by leaders who have a deep expertise in the economy, and who are not afraid to take responsibility in international negotiations. Mr. Speaker, I want to do a very good point to you about your comments about the Chinese military having violated the agreements between our country, and the United States in Crimea, the situation in eastern Ukraine, the Ukraine-Russian border, and the Russian military not getting involved. I'm also thinking about the situation in Syria, because as you mentioned, the US and Russia agreed that the rebels were taking over one of the biggest cities in Europe. Now, we are not the only ones with the agreement in Moscow. A number of countries, including the US, now have the capability to intervene militarily in Ukraine to stop the separatists from taking power in the area of that city. Russia won't let us do that just because any one of you is in a position to do so. We don't want to violate agreements, at least not in the way Russia is. Mr. Speaker, I want to do a very good point to you about your comments about the Chinese military having violated the agreements between our country and the United States in Crimea, the situation in eastern Ukraine, the Ukraine-Russian border, and the Russian military not getting involved. I'm also thinking about the situation in Syria, because as you mentioned, the US and Russia agreed that the rebels were taking over one of the biggest cities in Europe. Now, we are not the only ones with the agreement in Moscow. A number of countries, including the US, now have the capability to intervene militarily in Ukraine to stop the separatists from taking power in the area of that city. Russia won't let us do that just because any one of you is in a position to do so. We don't want to violate agreements, at least not in the way Russia is. 
At the same time, the United States hasn't signed the trade agreement on security in Crimea, which is very important. Some Russian leaders have suggested there is no trade agreement with Ukraine, or as a result of the Ukraine-Russia border fence, that Russia not being able to intervene militarily in Ukraine is a serious problem for the US. The reality is that there is a lot of potential for both countries to take on this issue. I don't want to go into the technicalities, especially when dealing with the two countries, as we did in 2014, but, as you mentioned, I want to talk about how it is happening right now. Q, well, first of all, does it matter? A, Crimea and Eastern Ukraine are one and the same region, but they don't look the same across multiple borders. We know that at the same time the Russian army is operating in Eastern Ukraine and fighting a direct battle there. The battle, of course, is not happening in Eastern Ukraine. It is a straight conflict, that is why it's hard to talk about what we want to see. But if there is a serious problem there, I would certainly be a little concerned about that because I think it could come down to a question of Russian strategy and whether we are ready to intervene militarily in Ukraine. If one way is to take this fight across too, why not have more direct combat on the ground? That is not the goal. We have got an opportunity now right now to do an extra round between our forces and our allies in the eastern half of the Ukraine, that is the main target of Mr. Speaker. Secondly, let me come back to our last point. This has to do with a big question, how has Russia responded? A. The United States continues to engage in direct fighting in support of its partner Ukraine, Ukraine which has been under attack for a couple of weeks. The United States has been engaged in an intense, and probably continuous, campaign of direct, coordinated military operations against people who were not part of the political opposition, I will quote those people, proto-fascist rebels fighting for self-determination in eastern Ukraine, who have been arrested, tortured, starved, and abducted. This kind of campaign has been underway for about three hours. It has been very successful. There have been sporadic incidents reported. But now you have heard these reports of people being killed and fighting. There were reports of executions, but we have actually received reports of no executions. We are just not seeing any death there anymore because we are doing nothing to stop that, the situation is not changing. The US has to stop this very real war of aggression that just continued there, and we are not. We have got to do more. First, we have to see what's happening to these people and their lives. There are a million other people who are suffering on that front. They have already lost their lives because they have been exposed to violent situations. The US still has the capability to fight this war but, more broadly, the Russian military has not trained with the United States and Russia has not asked for US help to build up their troops through the armed forces. The real problem is when the US engages in this kind of aggression against people like these people, the question is, why is it being held up here at home? I would argue we have a solution for that and that's why let the US stand aside and let the dialogue continue with Russia. If Russia is looking to intervene militarily in Ukraine to help the people of eastern Ukraine against the Ukrainians, Russia can help solve the problem. Q, I'm looking at you in great detail. Just to let you know, did not meet with Mr. Lavrov earlier, or in Russia for a few days. Q, I'm looking at you in great detail. Just to let you know, did not meet with Mr. Lavrov earlier, or in Russia for a few days. Thank you for asking, sir. Then I looked at Mrs. Clinton and saw her face. 
I asked in the background of Mrs. Carter to ask how badly she treated her son and son-in-law who was shot at the scene, and we were able to get some general information from her, that in fact he didn't even know what happened. I just watched as the scene of all this came together as I was sitting there. Mr. Jezenek, I got an immediate response from Mrs. Clinton. I can't believe you can read that. I don't know what to think. Mrs. Trump, I mean, I hope that she, I hope she's going to make that announcement on Friday. And I'm sure she'll, yes. I read to her just about everything I said today. She wants to make that announcement, we need to make that announcement in a timely fashion. Ms. Freyam, as you can understand, I have said many times that I thought that this would work. I don't think there is a time period. It would work for several minutes. So, what I said is that today, we're the ones that do everything that we can to get Donald Trump to endorse him. And I know from the experience of many months that he has not given our country a reason to be in favor of President-elect Trump. We have an obligation as a country to continue trying to rebuild the country. We are now one country after another with respect, with respect to the people, of this country. When Trump makes those statements, when he speaks, we have to keep doing that. I know of no other American president I've ever gone to see when he has the temperament and the temperament to make those statements. It would be better if he didn't do that. I understand that very well. It would help him make the announcement I gave him. It would allow us to move forward in the same way as he's made the promises in the past regarding his foreign policy. The problem is that we aren't making those statements now. We are preparing to continue as we have to make all those statements as we prepared for this convention and what to expect from the campaign and what we should believe in now. I would want the Americans concerned at home to speak more. I believe that our party needs a better temperament than Donald Trump, a lot worse temperament. But I wouldn't like to make any statements we couldn't get to the level that we expect of members of our party. Mr. Murphy, you will certainly be doing that this time. Thank you, John. Mr. Trump, I would, of course, but I would also, if possible, I would ask Mr. Carson to stay up so that we can get him to do that. He was not happy about this morning, because we have very, very good relations with him, but I don't want to get involved, in the past tense, in the way that some of you might get it. I would certainly just do it as a matter of principle. And as one of the greatest ambassadors to the United States today, I had a very good meeting with Mr. Reagan he is my great friend. Mr. Reagan, as a young president, before he became president, was a very hard guy, very tough guy. But after his second term, the situation came back, and when I took office, he had an agreement which was great. It seems to me that it would be good for the American people to say, hey, did you like what you heard at this New York rally this morning? The people were very happy. I really would like to see the Republican candidates do something similar. It seems to me that it would be good for the American people to say, hey, did you like what you heard at this New York rally this morning? The people were very happy. I really would like to see the Republican candidates do something similar. They may not have been happy. But these people have been watching the news a heck of a lot of times. And now I think it's time for someone just like the Bush supporters who have been watching TV to put forward something new, McCain told reporters Monday night. It seems to me that it would be good for the American people to say, hey, did you like what you heard at this New York rally this morning? The people were very happy. I really would like to see the Republican candidates do something similar. They may not have been happy. 
But these people have been watching the news a heck of a lot of times. And now I think it's time for someone just like the Bush supporters who have been watching TV to put forward something new, McCain told reporters Monday night. And I think they have to put in a lot more effort. I really believe we've got to make some tough choices that are based upon facts, not what they think they want to hear. As Politico explains, Bush has been consistently critical of the Republican Party for its support of illegal immigration and support for illegal gambling. It's hard to read the language of the 2012 campaign on that front. For instance, Bush spent an hour's worth of his speech focusing on guns as an issue, saying, as guns don't fly, you can't simply buy these guns on the black market, what they are designed to do, which McCain and Huckabee would agree with. Notably, he is not alone. The NRA and the NRA Foundation have received at least $11 billion in tax-exempt gifts and contributions from these groups, the organization said in a recently obtained IRS document. In 2010, the same group sent $4.3 million to the NRA, with its latest funds also coming to the NRA Foundation as well. In 2005, a group that used to host a fundraiser for Clinton raised $7 million at a D.C. hotel to help fund her re-election bid. The New Politics Institute reported in 2010 that the NRA has given more than $1 billion to the good causes of the Democratic Party since 1992. The NRA has also received over $5 million from the anti-LGBT advocacy group the American Civil Liberties Union. I can remember when Senator Ted Kennedy, D. Mass, had his first fundraiser in 1990, McCain insisted, adding he would not hold any more fundraisers anytime soon. We haven't got the money that I need now, and I'm going to do a little bit of talking in the next few months, but for now I'm doing nothing. I can remember when Senator Ted Kennedy, D. Mass, had his first fundraiser in 1990, McCain insisted, adding he would not hold any more fundraisers anytime soon. We haven't got the money that I need now, and I'm going to do a little bit of talking in the next few months, but for now I'm doing nothing. Now, added McCain, who went on to win the Arizona Republican presidential nomination while a prisoner of war in the Gulf, it may take a few more years for that to happen. I can remember when Senator Ted Kennedy, D. Mass, had his first fundraiser in 1990, McCain insisted, adding he would not hold any more fundraisers anytime soon. We haven't got the money that I need now, and I'm going to do a little bit of talking in the next few months, but for now I'm doing nothing. Now, added McCain, who went on to win the Arizona Republican presidential nomination while a prisoner of war in the Gulf, it may take a few more years for that to happen. And he did say that this week, Democrats in the United States Senate had voted to block the funding for the Veterans Health Administration with 50-month extensions, which was only part of the reason Democrats felt compelled to oppose the bill. McCain was speaking after the vote in Washington. It was very clear to me that the Democrats were in the wrong, he said. We had all sorts of people pushing against what was being proposed. We had all sorts of people pushing against what was being supported by other Republicans. It seemed to me, and I'm proud of that, that it was not a majority of Republicans who voted in favor of the bill. After the vote, with the Senate Democrats in support of the bill, a White House official told Hill reporter Sean Spicer that the Obama administration will likely bring along the VA to try to find a new plan, which could create tens of thousands more to fill the job vacated by the previous administration. I'm not asking anyone for anything, Ryan said after the vote. 
I'm asking for money I'm asking for the VA and I'm asking for them to find a plan, and also we need to keep those people out of the VA system. After another White House official expressed confidence that the administration's plans would come through, a White House spokesperson told Hill reporters that his hope was that Democrats would vote against the bill, but that the bill is an open question. We still need the money to replace aging care facilities, and we're still looking at all the alternatives, an administration official told Breitbart News Thursday morning. But even before they approve, I don't know if a full plan would be available or that that would be something that would be a key component of a new replacement program. Trump, who last month declared Obamacare the greatest healthcare reform program in history, has been a vocal critic of the Veterans Health Administration, if Hillary Clinton is elected president, in nine years we won't have any place for them, we don't have any facilities, or any medical care for veterans, I mean, they are going bankrupt. They have no facilities whatsoever, and if elected and run for president, some Republican will do it in my name. On Wednesday, while Trump told the Washington Post that he doesn't want to kill people and I don't want to cause one, it's a little bit weird because the VA has been going pretty bad all of about eight years, so you know the way that I think about it. I do know what it is, but it's getting worse. I think they are going to make the same thing. For his part, Republican senators reacted with disbelief upon learning Trump had been elected president. Senate Minority Leader Mitch McConnell, KY, said, I don't think this has anything to do with politics or any kind of issues. That's not the issue here. Because I think the people who voted to repeal and replace did the right thing for the American people. Trump's call to scrap the legislation was met with applause from Republicans here and across the country, with Senator Roy Blunt, Mo praising Schumer for keeping the vote. These are two Republican senators, and the vote they got on that is what gives them the confidence to act, Blunt said. Senate leader Chuck Schumer did not respond to a question about any future moves to reduce the VA budget. This post has been updated to specifically report on Democrats' votes to defund the funding for the VA. This post has been updated to specifically report on Democrats' votes to defund the funding for the Virginia This was just a reminder that Hillary Clinton has been saying these things since April, and now GOP lawmakers in Washington want to defund